So welcome to the African History Network show. It is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. So yesterday's show, we had a lot of people listening to yesterday's show, and I've been rebroadcasting it, rebroadcasting it on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. And we talked about um, Bill Cosby being released from prison and his conviction being overturned by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. So a lot of people have been watching uh, that broadcast and commenting on it. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Bill Cosby today. There's some updates here. Uh, there's a report from TMZ that Bill Cosby reportedly is exploring legal options after conviction being overturned. He's reportedly uh, looking at suing the uh, uh, Montgomery County, um, the, the, the uh, county that uh, prosecuted him. Okay. Um, we know the Montgomery, Montgomery County District Attorney there in Pennsylvania, Kevin Steele, prosecuted um, Bill Cosby after there was an agreement. The, U, uh, the Pennsylvania U.S. Supreme Court ruled there was an agreement by Cosby and his legal team and the previous prosecutor, Bruce Castor, uh, not to prosecute him in exchange for him testifying in a civil lawsuit for Andrew Constand and uh, Bruce Castor saying that there was not enough uh, evidence to prosecute criminally. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. I think he should sue. I think he really should sue. I think anybody in that situation should sue, not just Bill Cosby. According to uh, a piece I saw from Yahoo News, Bill Cosby is, is worth uh, about uh, $400 million. So um, he should sue just for, on principality, not because he needs the money. Uh, other people would sue. And, and, he, and he's lost millions of dollars also behind the lawsuit. But uh, he should definitely sue. All right. So we'll talk to him about that. Then... Um, a lot of people are talking about the, you know, we posted this article from NBC news and other outlets are reporting on this regarding, uh, Felicia Rashad and her initial, uh, comments to, uh, Bill Cosby being released from prison. Now we know they're longtime friends. Felicia Rashad played Claire Husk, Claire Huxtable on the Cosby show. Uh, but she's been getting some backlash regarding this. Now, I don't deal with a bunch of gossip, but we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit here. Um, anytime you have a situation like this, it's important to understand that um, when you have someone who actually knows the person that is the subject of the controversy, that's different than 99.9% .9 of the other people talking. Because most of these people talking, and attacking Felicia Rashad, don't know Bill Cosby, never never met Bill Cosby a day in their life. And if they did meet Bill Cosby, 
99.9% of the time, he doesn't know who these people are who are running their miles. Generally speaking, when you actually know the person that's the subject of the controversy, it's entirely different. You know them differently than people who just know them from being on the other side of the television or going to pay to see somebody do a stand-up act or seeing them in a movie or listening to their comedy album or what have you. It's different. You know them on a much different level. Regardless of whether they did it or didn't do it, what have you. Even if you stand behind somebody who's accused of doing something that's heinous, even if you stand behind somebody who is found guilty, it doesn't mean you agree, generally speaking, doesn't mean you agree with what they're accused uh, with. Doesn't mean that you agree with, uh, it, you know, even if they admit to doing it, it doesn't mean that you agree with the act that was committed. It means you're just standing by them as a friend. Doesn't mean you agree with the act, you're just standing by them as a friend. You could cuss them out behind closed doors and say, how stupid could you be, what have you, but it just means you're not going to abandon a friend in their time of need. You're not going to be a fair weather friend. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this. Now, some people are fair weather friends and they can't understand friendship on that level. But we'll, we'll talk about that also. Then we're going to pick up on um, a continuous discussion from Tuesday show. On Tuesday show, we talked about how uh, there, there was a there was a piece from NBC News in a segment from Politics Nation. It dealt with this study dealing with how African-Americans are more likely to die in traffic accidents, even during the coronavirus pandemic. During 2020, African-Americans are more likely to die in traffic accidents, even during the pandemic. And this study dealt with uh, reasons why. OK. And it laid out three main reasons. There was an article from NBC News. There was also one from the Washington Post on this. Uh, there was um, a segment on Politics Nation, Reverend Al Sharpton's show, where he dealt with the expert on this to really go through and break down why. Okay. Um, and they laid out three main reasons infrastructure, design, and racism. Infrastructure, design, and racism. Um, they talked to, in, in this piece from NBC News, they talked to uh, Calvin Gladney. Uh, this was uh, Calvin Gladney, president of Smart Growth America. And Smart Growth America is a Washington-based, D.C., Washington, D.C.-based advocacy group. And he said that the coronavirus pandemic only exacerbated the longstanding problem dealing with infrastructure in the African-American community and African-Americans being more likely to die in traffic accidents, were more likely to be pedestrians, rely on public transportation. Um, in, our, in, in predominantly African-American communities, they're less, less likely to have crosswalks, warning signs, and other safety mechanisms. But he said there are three main reasons African-Americans bear the brunt of roadway injuries, infrastructure, design and racism, infrastructure, design and racism. 
Then the article from NBC News goes on to say, and many highway and many high speed highways are in or go through communities of color thanks to a federal effort in the 1950s to modernize the nation's highways. Thanks to an effort in the 1950s to modernize the nation's highways. Well, that deals with the U.S. Interstate Highway Acts of 1952 and 1956 that drove 41,000 miles of U.S. interstate highways all across the country. Okay. Um, th th this article here from uh, NBC News this is the one we talked about on Tuesday's show. Uh, black people are more likely to die in traffic accidents. COVID made it worse. This was a nationwide study. Black people are more likely to die in traffic accidents. COVID made it worse. More African-Americans died in traffic deaths in 2020 than any other racial group, even though Americans drove less in the pandemic. Experts say this is not new. So when you go through and read this article, and we talked about this um, on the uh, Tuesday, June 29th show. So you can go back and watch that on our Facebook fan page, the African history network, the African history network and uh, our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P. But um, Calvin Gladney, president of smart growth America said the pandemic only exacerbated these longstanding problems. And he said that, uh, the three reasons, infrastructure, design, and racism. And many high-speed highways go through or are in uh, communities of color thanks to federal, thanks to a federal effort in the 1950s to modernize the nation's highways. And the article referenced this other piece from NBC News called uh, bulldozed and bisected bulldozed and bisected highway construction built a legacy of inequality with their removal heal historic wounds so we're going to continue the discussion that we started uh, toward the end of Tuesday's show when we dealt with the topic of the traffic deaths. But then we started talking about interstate highways and how they were used to destroy African-American communities. We're going to talk about how highways were used to destroy African-American communities, how, how U.S. interstate highways were used to destroy African-American communities and the effort that's taking place today to change that. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages our story, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, 
thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle her hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustler Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Nine ten, the Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. We're halfway through the year, Thursday, July 1st, 2021. And we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Um, now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. The sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter, or visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, we're going to jump into this. We're going to go to clip one, Shakita. Um, I want to go to clip one. We're, we're going to talk about um, Bill Cosby contemplating suing uh, the Mon Montgomery County uh uh, district, uh, Montgomery County district, district Attorney's Office in Pennsylvania. We'll talk about that in just a minute here. I want to go to uh, NBC Nightly News. Uh, Bill Cosby returns home after court overturns conviction. And uh, Andrew Wyatt talks about Cosby's first night at home. Let's go to this clip. Man, Bill Cosby didn't stay long at his Pennsylvania home, leaving today to reunite with his wife. He would spend the next months with her. They haven't seen each other in almost three years. According to his spokesperson, Andrew Wyatt, Cosby knew the Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision was coming, but didn't know when. Prison guards told him he was free at noon yesterday, unlocking the cell and opening the door. According to Wyatt, there were cheers from the other inmates. Bill Cosby came back home. Wyatt says they stayed up until 2 in the morning. 83-year-old telling him he didn't want to go to bed. He was afraid all of this. It's just a bad dream. 
The Philadelphia Supreme Court threw out the conviction, saying Cosby's due process rights were violated when he was charged with sexually assaulting and drugging Andrea Constant. The alleged incident took place in 2004, but the district attorney at the time, Bruce Castor, decided there wasn't enough evidence to bring charges, compelling Cosby to give a deposition in Constant's civil case. I can sit there, do nothing, and hope the case gets better, like get a confession, uh, or I can try to find another way, another solution, and I chose that to find another way. But Cosby's deposition was then used to charge him a decade later. The court says the DA's office broke a promise not to prosecute. Yes, I intended that to bind my successors uh, in perpetuity. Cosby's legal team calling it justice, but many of the dozens of women who have made a range of allegations against Cosby, from groping to sexual assault to rape, are angry. For me, he has paid a very small, minute portion of consequences for his actions. And no matter what technicality he gets off on, he's still guilty. Under the law, his record is wiped clean. He can't be retried. But for a man who was once known as America's dad, some damage can't be undone. Stephanie, joining me here in the studio. What is next for Cosby? Well, Lester, there is still a pending lawsuit that was being held until the Pennsylvania Supreme Court made the decision it announced yesterday. But his spokesperson said he's making plans, including a documentary, and he says Cosby was on the phone this morning with comedy club owners. Okay. Pause it right there. All right. So that is from uh, NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, uh, July 1st, 2021. Uh, Bill Cosby returns home after court overturns conviction. Uh, the accuser that you heard in that clip was uh, LISC Lies Lottie Lublin. I guess is how you pronounce her name. Um, you heard former uh, Montgomery District Attorney. Uh, Bruce Castor, he was on Fox News in that clip that you just heard, and he said that the uh, his office entered into the agreement with Cosby and Cosby's defense team not to prosecute him, and he said that there uh, was not enough evidence to file criminal charges, and he entered into that agreement uh, with the intent of the next district attorney, because it's the same position with the next district attorney honoring that agreement as well. And this is what the Pennsylvania uh, Supreme Court uh, came to the conclusion of also. Now, there, there was a uh, article from um, NBC News that I saw as well. Uh, this dealt with uh, Cosby's first night. We're going to go to that. Then I want to go to this one from news1.com dealing with uh, Cosby. Um, well, let's go to this one first from news1.com. Uh, Cosby uh, reportedly is exploring legal options to sue the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office. If we look at this um, article here from, uh, they picked, News One picked this up from TMZ. TMZ apparently was the first to report this story. Uh, Bill Cosby reportedly exploring legal options after conviction overturned. Cosby and his wife, Camille, have conferenced with their lawyers and are possibly weighing the option to file a lawsuit against Montgomery County, the county in Pennsylvania where he stood trial. Uh, if you go back and listen to that clip from 
uh, NBC Nightly News, it appears that they, they said that Cosby had to leave home to go visit his wife. It appears that his wife wasn't waiting for him at home. So I ain't trying to read into that, but I understand. But uh, go back and watch the show. I said yesterday what I, what, what I learned from this whole, whole ordeal. Don't cheat on your wife. That's what I learned. Well, that's one thing I learned. Don't cheat on your wife. Leave those women alone. The uh, same thing I said, you know, slow down player. <laughs> same thing I said, you know, Cosby's 83. Okay. Stay at home. Stay out of trouble. Uh, but that's one. That's the go listen to yesterday's show. Number one takeaway is don't cheat on your wife. Because if, if he hadn't been cheating on his wife, all this other, all these other allegations, all this stuff wouldn't have, wouldn't, would not have happened. All right. So according to TMZ, and I kind of find it interesting how they call him disgraced comedian and things like that. They call it falling from grace, disgraced comedian. They don't call Donald Trump that. They they don't say they they, say, they don't say disgraced Donald Trump, disgraced former president Donald Trump, trader in chief former president Donald Trump. They, they, they don't call Donald Trump that. I just I just find that interesting. According to TMZ. Comedian and entertainer Bill Cosby is reportedly examining legal options available in response to his release from prison after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned his sexual assault conviction on Wednesday, June 30th. Now, Cosby and his wife, uh, Camille, have conferenced with their lawyers and are possibly weighing the option to file a lawsuit against a lawsuit against uh, Montgomery County, the county in Pennsylvania where he stood trial. TMZ says uh, that sources claim Cosby could option a lawsuit for abuse of process, among other unnamed considerations. Now, Bill Cosby was released on uh, uh, Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, in a stunning twist due to a non-prosecution agreement between Cosby and former Montgomery County District Attorney Bruce Castor, who you just heard in the clip from NBC Nightly News, where Cosby waived his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination by testifying in a separate civil case brought by Andrea Constand, one of his many uh, one of his many accusers. Now, the high court in Pennsylvania argued that Cosby did so with the expectation that he would not face criminal charges. Okay. He waived his fifth amendment right to, uh, to self-incrimination under the agreement that he would not face criminal charges. The ruling also cemented the fact that Cosby is immune from further prosecution in this particular case. Now, if there's some other allegations from another accuser is within the statute of limitations that can go to trial. Um, now, uh, uh, Justice Kevin Doherty wrote in his opinion, uh, quote, then years later, Castor's successor, successor used the damaging evidence Cosby turned over in the uh, civil case to convict him on the same criminal offenses he had previously been induced to believe were off the table. Quote, I am constrained to agree with the majority that due process does not permit the government to engage in this type of coercive bait and switch. 
Uh, that's uh, Justice uh, Kevin Doherty of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Now, in response to his release, Bill Cosby exclusively told Black Press USA. Black Press USA is an African-American media outlet and they have a, 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 a African-American news wire. It's uh, Black Press USA is made up of about 260 Af- African-American owned newspapers. OK, uh, there's an exclusive article. You can read that article from Black Press USA. He did an ex- uh, Bill Cosby did an exclusive interview with Black Press USA. But in this interview, um, Cosby uh, uh, in the uh, in response to his release, Cosby exclusively told Black Press USA that black media outlets have a duty to report the facts. Uh, but as we know, facts can be interpreted on a blur on a blurred line, depending on on who you're speaking to. Uh, Bill Cosby in speaking with Black Press USA said, this is an opportunity that the black press, the writers, the men and the women have now an opportunity with great intelligence, with great foresight, with great aftersight, not just about Mr. Cosby. It is about what you saw. It is about what you know and what you must and and you must tell it. And you must be and you must be believed and you have to put it in a way, a level of intelligence. You have to put it in a way, a level of intelligence. Uh, Bill Cosby insisted. Um, OK, so we know this fall off from accusers, those who were triggered, those who are victims of sexual assault, uh, etc. OK, so read the rest of this article here. From uh, News One dot com. Bill Cosby reportedly exploring options after conviction overturned. Okay, from news1.com by Sharice Frazier. Uh, this is from uh, July 1st, 2021. Now, uh, I want to go to this next piece here quickly, and then I want to get to uh, how U.S. highways were used to destroy African American communities. There was a um, you can you can read this one here. I'm just going to highlight this one. Um, There was another piece from uh, NBC News that dealt with uh, Bill Cosby was asleep in prison in a prison cell when he learned he was being freed. Okay, Uh, check out this article here. Also, there's a whole lot of articles I read. I don't have time to get into it. I don't do a whole lot of celebrity stuff. This is a big story. It's only certain things. I'm going to deal with this. I, I, I read a lot more articles than I'm going to talk about. But this one here was it was pretty interesting. Um, let me bring this up here. Bill Cosby was asleep in, pr- in a prison cell when he learned he was being freed. Okay. Plans to spend time with his wife. That's a, that's a good plan right there. Stay, stay with your wife. I'm serious. I'm serious. (laughs) Uh, Bill Cosby struggled to sleep. Now, this is from uh, July 1st, 2021. Bill Cosby struggled to sleep after his release from prison, still in disbelief that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had vacated his sexual assault conviction and ended nearly three years behind bars. His representative said on Thursday, July 1st, uh, Bill Cosby was awake until at least 2 AM and got up about three out and got about three hours of sleep. Uh, during his first night of freedom, Cosby spokesman, uh, Andrew Wyatt said, uh, told uh, NBC news, 
Uh, Andrew Wyatt said uh, that Cosby said, I don't want to go to sleep because I'm afraid this is a nightmare. I don't want to go to sleep because I'm afraid this is a nightmare. Um, when the state high court came through with this ruling on Wednesday, Cosby was still asleep in his prison cell at SCIX Phoenix in Collegeville. And a guard told the blurry eyed Bill Cosby and understandably confused Bill Cosby, uh, told him that he would soon be free. Bill Cosby responded, what are you talking about? According to Andrew Wyatt, uh, the man once known as America's uh, dad had collard greens and fish for dinner uh, Wednesday night and then eggs, sausage and potatoes for breakfast. He planned to be reunited with his wife, his wife, Camille, on Thursday. And okay, so that means that she wasn't at home. Okay, I'm whatever you got to do to get out the doghouse, you need to do it. I'm whatever you got to do to get out the doghouse, you need to do it. All right, if you got a uh, you remember the episode of Cosby Show when <laughs> when Cliff was giving uh, Theo advice when and Theo screwed up, screwed up for the umpteenth time with Justine, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he told him you're a dog outside <laughs> and it's 20 below zero and Justine is the only one that can let you inside the house, right? <laughs> he said, you need to sing. Whatever you got to do to get out the doghouse, that's what you have to do. So he, uh, uh, Cosby planned to be re reunited with his wife, Camille, on Thursday and spend the next three weeks with her. It'll be the first time they've seen each other since he went to prison in September 2018, according to Andrew Wyatt. All right. Uh, read the rest of the story also. Read this article. Bill Cosby was asleep in prison in a prison cell when he learned he was he was being freed. Plans to spend time with wife. Go with that plan. That's a good plan. <laughs> go with that plan. Okay. If you spend time with your if you stay with your wife, you can't go wrong. That's all I have to say on that one. All right. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number uh, if you have a question or comment. All right. <laughs> there is a joke in there somewhere, like a white woman would have left, left your ass a long time ago. There is a joke in there, but we ain't going to go there, okay? We're not, we just, I don't have that much time in the show to, to deal with that, but you know. There is a joke in this somewhere. I'll leave that to the comedians to, to, to deal with that. A white woman would divorce your ass a long time ago taking your money, but we ain't going to go there. All right. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I'm going to go to this next topic here. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll talk about this for a minute. Felicia Rashad. I ain't going to spend a whole lot of time on this one either. Um, <laughs> You can make a whole movie out of that, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Felicia Rashad says Bill Cosby released corrected in miscarriage of justice. She got backlash for that. Once again, okay, when you actually know the subject of the controversy, that's different than 99.9% .9 of the people out here talking, writing about it that don't know the person that's being talked about. Felicia Rashad, who starred as Claire Huxtable, alongside Bill Cosby in The Cosby Show, forcefully defended him after his indeed after his uh uh see this is nbc news the white person wrote this year uh after his indecent assault conviction was overturned by the pennsylvania supreme court on wednesday 
Felicia Rashad tweeted, uh, finally, terrible wrong uh, is being righted and miscarriage of justice is corrected. Now, um, she sent that uh, tweet uh, shortly after the news broke. Okay. Here's a picture of the, of the two of them together. She actually knows him. Most of the people comment and don't know Bill Cosby. All right. Doesn't mean that if he's guilty or what have you, she agrees with it. But, you know, um, I, I, I find it sometimes I find it interesting. When. People want friends who stick by your side through thick and thin. And then when somebody is a friend that sticks by somebody's side through thick and thin. Something that people disagree with, then they have a problem. Just because somebody sticks by your side through thick and thin doesn't mean they agree with what you did or accused of or didn't do what happened. It doesn't mean they agree with the situation. They're just sticking by your side because they are a friend. Now, Felicia Rashad, who is set to start a new job as the dean of the College of Fine Arts at Howard University on Thursday, uh, July 1st, starts a new job today, had previously spoken out in support of Bill Cosby after he was accused of sexual assault. Now, Felicia Rashad told Bustle uh, Media uh, Entertainment Media Outlet uh, in 2020, she said, I just don't accept what somebody says because they say it and they say it in a loud voice. She said this when uh, she told Bossip this, I mean, Bustle, when asked about Bill Cosby, she said, quote, the Internet has given a lot of anonymous people a very loud voice. Now, nearly three hours after voicing her support for Bill Cosby, Felicia Rashad issued another tweet responding to backlash over her initial statement. Felicia Rashad said in, in her follow up statement, I fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward. My post was in no way intended to be insensitive to their truth. Personally, I know from friends and family that such abuse has lifelong residual effects. My heartfelt wish is for healing. And in situations like this, some people are just looking for somebody to take out their frustration on. So they attack Felicia Rashad, like Felicia Rashad is like doesn't have sympathy for people who are victims of sexual assault and things like this. Um, according to this piece from NBC News, she did not immediately immediately respond to NBC requests for comment. Uh, so all types of articles been written about this and all this, whatever. Um, after a nationwide search, Howard University in uh, May of 2021 announced that it had selected Felicia Rashad, who's an alumna uh, uh, of Howard University, alum of Howard University, to become dean of his newly reestablished and renamed Chadwick A. Bozeman College of Fine Arts, effective July 1st. Now, Howard University said that uh, Felicia Rashad's initial tweet lacked sensitivity. Quote, survivors of sexual assault will always be our priority. Uh, the university said in a statement Wednesday, quote, while Dean Rashad has acknowledged in her follow up tweet that victims must be heard and believed her initial tweet lacked sensitivity towards survivors of sexual assault. Personal positions of university leadership do not reflect Howard University's policies 
we will continue to advocate for survivors fully and support their right to be heard. Howard will stand with survivors and challenge systems that would deny them justice. We have full confidence that our faculty and school leadership will live up to this sacred commitment. All right. Okay, so, you know, all right, whatever. So that's all going on now. Um, I want to pick up from our show on Tuesday. I talked about this uh, piece here from, uh, there was a nationwide study done. Washington Post has an article on this. Uh, There's been more and more talk about the devastation that interstate highways have done in the African-American community. We know there's about $20 billion in uh, Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure bill, original $2 trillion infrastructure bill that addresses this, about $20 billion. In the scaled-down infrastructure bill, I'm not sure what's in there. But Washington Post has this article, traffic deaths increased during the pandemic. The toll fell more heavily on black residents. The toll fell heavily on uh, the toll fell heavily more on black residents. Report shows. And then uh, NBC News had one also. Um, The one from NBC News was uh, blacks are more likely to die in traffic accidents. COVID made it worse. Uh, we're going to go to clip two, Shakita, in just a second here. This is the one from NBC News. And in here, there was a, uh, they talked about uh, three reasons why African Americans are more likely to die in traffic accidents. And they talked about infrastructure, design, and racism. Okay infrastructure design and racism then they said and many high speed they said predominantly african-american um predominantly african-american neighborhoods are less likely to have crosswalks warning signs and other safety mechanisms and many high-speed highways are in or go through communities of color Thanks to a federal effort in the 1950s to modernize the nation's roadways. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, piece referenced the, um, then the piece referenced this article here bulldozed and bisected. Bulldozed and bisected. Highway construction built a legacy of inequality. Uh, I want to go to clip two here. There was a um, a clip from uh, NBC News now. Black community torn apart by a highway still healing more than 50 years later. Let's go to this clip. Clip number two, take it off mute.
walking over I-94. And it's all used to be houses. And hey, hey, do me a favor. Back, 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 back that up to the beginning. Shakita, back, start that at the beginning. Okay, we're going to start that up. Walking over I-94. And it's all used to be houses and business. This is all houses. This is Rondo Avenue here. There were four shops right on that corner there. Every cross street would have a grocery store. So it was a walking community. You grew up on this block. I did. You knew pretty much everyone who went, drove, or walked down the street. The Rondo neighborhood was the heart of the black community in St. Paul, Minnesota. Starting in 1956, the homes, businesses, community centers decimated by the construction of a freeway. As a girl, Margaret Lovejoy watched it all happen. I can relate it to living in a war zone for probably five or six years. First, it was the neighbors moving out. They had to move. And then their homes were were destroyed. And to, to this day, I can see and feel that impact of that house just falling apart. Um, because I knew who had lived in that house. That freeway is like a big, deep, open wound right in the middle of our community. But it wasn't just here. In Florida, Overtown was the center of Black Miami. The I-95 tore through the neighborhood, wiping out countless homes as well as its thriving business district. In New Orleans, Louisiana, the I-10 cleared through North Claiborne Avenue, the center of a stable black Creole community. Kansas City, Chicago, Boston, Detroit, New York City, Montgomery, Los Angeles, the list goes on and on. An automotive page traveling on time-saving superhighways. The Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 was one of the largest public works projects in American history. It added 41,000 miles to our interstate system, but it also displaced over 475,000 households between 1957 and 1977. A great many of those people were black. At the time, local governments were pursuing slum clearance projects. They leveled, quote, blighted areas all in the name of urban renewal. But blighted often just meant black or not white. It didn't matter if the community was thriving economically. The, the physical building of the highway destroyed black communities. Black residents and families lost their home, which was their primary financial investment. We often did not get uh, any reimbursement or sufficient reimbursement uh, for that loss. And also, while the highways connected white people living in suburbia with economic opportunities in the city, Black residents were excluded from white neighborhoods because of racial segregation. Melvin Carter is now the mayor of St. Paul. Okay, so there's my grandpa. His family lost their homes and business properties on Rondo. Uh, we see increased crime in our neighborhood. We see increased uh, desperation in our neighborhood, attributable to and connected to the poverty, the cycles of poverty. I think about how my life might be different had I inherited uh, the wealth, the property, real estate that my grandfather and my grandmother began amassing on Old Rondo, uh, and it seems like there could have been a different storyline there. Before I-94 construction, Rondo was the only black community in St. Paul not considered a slum. After the highway, property values fell. A neighborhood where you have spirituality, you have businesses, you have your social organization, where you have cohesion, 
That's what they tore apart in Rondo. Certainly there was a physical and economic impact to our highway development project. There was also a psychological and emotional impact that was felt by everyone in the community as they saw that their community was destroyed. But infrastructure didn't just break up black communities. It reinforced segregation by way of dead-end streets, often at the intersection of black and white communities, lack of sidewalks, and low-clearance bridges, purposely built to block public transportation, like buses. In many ways, big and small, we've used infrastructure and and transportation policy to, to make it difficult for people to access other communities, for people to access opportunity, and for people to maintain that sense of community. It's a tactic that was encouraged by the federal government itself. The 1938 Federal Housing Administration Underwriting Manual said an artificial barrier like a highway could protect a neighborhood from, quote, adverse influences like, quote, inharmonious racial groups. We still see the effects today. The Staten Island Expressway is referred to by some as the island's Mason-Dixon line. Black households on the island are concentrated north of the expressway. South of the expressway, the number noticeably drops. The Biden administration could be taking the first step to rebuilding these communities. There is racism physically built into some of our highways. And that's why the jobs plan has dollars specifically committed to reconnect some of the communities. President Biden's infrastructure plan seeks to invest $20 billion in transportation for communities harmed by past highway projects. It could be truly transformative because it potentially represents a historic investment in these communities of color or in urban communities, investment in transportation, but also uh, in schools and, and water. And what is not clear is whether and how that money will be distributed in a way that will address the racial inequalities that are built into our transportation system. Biden's plan hasn't been passed yet, but the people of Rondo are making plans to move forward on their own with or without it. Physically, we would like to reconnect to both sides of the freeway by putting a land bridge over the freeway. And you'll be able to walk on it. You'll be able to have housing on it. You'll be able to have places for small businesses, cultural center, a marketplace, and amphitheater. This time, the construction aiming to create opportunity for their future generations built anew on top of their family's past pain. The harm that that did, um, in many ways, is irreparable. You can't go back and give our family the last 50 years or our neighborhood the last 50 years. So bridging that gap uh, physically uh, is uh, important. These are are very, very deep roots um, that are in the Rondo community. Hey, pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. Situation. Pause it right there. It's nationwide, anywhere there's a um, interest. Okay. Um, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, keep watching. We're out of time here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. If you'd like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Remember my online course, my 10-week online course starts up Sunday, July 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. 
We deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. The class is regularly $130. It's on sale $80. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again, even after the course is over with. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Right on the homepage, click on register here and you can register for the course. Remember, right now is correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. Talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right. Stand by, everybody. Stand by. Um, we're going to be here for just a few more minutes. It's a long day. We'll continue this discussion tomorrow. I have a ton of information. I've been doing a lot of research on this topic, then how, how highways are used to destroy African-American communities. So I have a, a lot of articles, a lot of information. I've only gotten through like 10% of the information that I have. We're going to say, say most of that for tomorrow's show. Okay. But, um, if you like, once again, if you like this type of information, you can support the African history network dollar sign, the AHN show through cash app dollar sign, the AHN show, uh, through cash app and also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And, um, let me pull up our graphic here. When you do it through Cash App, be sure to type in dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. And it'll say Michael and it'll show, uh, my, uh, it'll show my picture there. It'll say Michael and show my picture there also. Okay. That's our actual official, uh, Cash App account. These other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts that somebody, um, set up. All right. And uh, when you register for the uh, 10-week online course that I teach, um, you can start watching bonus content right away. Um, classes one through seven of the current course that I'm teaching on Saturdays, that information is archived. So you can start watching that content. And you'll also be enrolled in the Saturday class at 12 noon. We have two more sessions of the Saturday class. The new course starts up Sunday, July 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Okay, Sunday, July 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, and you'll be registered for that one as well. Okay. And when we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we can't start talking about it in 1441 with the Portuguese going into uh, Mauritania. We can't start in 1619. In uh, Virginia, we have to go back thousands of years and deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place, understand cause and effect. And uh, so we deal with ancient Africa, the Nile Valley region of Africa, uh, ancient Egypt, ancient Kemet, Ta-Nehisi, Nubia, Abyssinia, Ethiopia. And we deal with great West African civilizations, Ghana, Songhai, Mali. We deal with... Uh, University of San Correy at Timbuktu, but we also do it the 800 year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors who take the teachings from ancient Kemet into Europe. And this brings Europe out of the dark ages. Okay. So be sure to register for that. Uh, I want to go to, uh, let's look at this article quickly and then we'll continue this discussion on Friday show. I'll also be on Roland Martin unfiltered on Friday, 6 PM Eastern, Eastern standard time on Facebook and YouTube. Um, Roland Martin's YouTube uh, page, a YouTube channel, and on Facebook. I'm usually a panelist each Friday on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered, also. 
so bulldozed and bisected highway construction built a legacy of inequality. This is from June 18th, 2021. Now, during the largest public works program ever attempted in the United States, African-American and Latino communities in cities across the country met the blade of the bulldozer and the crush of the wrecking ball, making room for ribbons of new highway, making room for ribbons of new highway, whether through blindness or design, the mid-century American interstate highway program demolished homes and bisected communities driven by the promise of prosperity, faster commutes and jobs. But this helped destroy many African-American communities. Okay, this helped destroy many African-American communities. Now, Barbara Lance Keller, who's 75 years young, a lifelong resident of Treme, uh, a once bustling New Orleans community that Interstate 10 cut through in the 1960s. She said, everything we needed was in our neighborhood. Everything we needed was in our neighborhood. The highway really destroyed that. Now, what has changed decades after the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 brought 40, it brought 41,000 miles of interstate highway to the country. And it is the recognition it uh, was happened since 1956 and since the expressways ran through African-American communities is the recognition of the harm that was done to communities left in the shade of these now aging roadways from 1957 to 1977 the federal aid highway act of 1956 displaced over 475,000 households and 1 million people it displaced over 475,000 households and 1 million people according to the U.S. Department of Transportation. Now, in that clip that we just uh, that I just played and they were talking about the Biden administration, you heard Transportation Secretary, Sec Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, talking about the harm also that expressways have done to the African-American community and communities of color across the country. I, I encourage you as well to read this book, how white folks got so rich, the untold story of American white supremacy, how white folks got so rich, the untold story of American white supremacy, because they talk about the uh, federal aid highway acts in 1952 and 56 here in this book as well. And how they, the damage they've done to African-American communities. Now, as many of these hulking structures, as many of these hulking structures reach obsolescence and they're crumbling, they need to be replaced or something needs to be done to them. The federal government and many states and cities are belatedly recognizing the harm they caused and are working with communities to design alternatives that repair the damage, that repair the damage. 
that these highways have done to communities. But in many cases, those plans are reopening old wounds and leading to protracted debates that politicians and engineers are struggling to solve. Of more than 50 interstate highways across the country nearing the end of their lifespan, NBC News examined three urban neighborhoods that show the range of proposals underway to redress, to redress the harms caused by the construction of interstates. In Syracuse, New York, the 15th Ward, home to many African-American residents, it disappeared under the shadows and smog of Interstate 81. New York State has committed $800 million to the first phase of the highway's removal beginning in 2022 to be replaced by a walkable and bikeable community grid, a walkable and bikeable community grid. But residents are deeply concerned about displacement, gentrification, and the negative impact on other areas. In New Orleans, bustling black owned businesses in Treme, uh, in the Treme section, closed one by one as the Claiborne Expressways gray cement pillars replaced stately white oaks that had lined the avenue. President Joe Biden cited the removal of the expressway as part of his goal of addressing quote unquote historic inequities within infrastructure. Okay, and, and, and this part, this $20 billion in the infrastructure bill, also known as the jobs bill, to address, not to 100% deal with it, but to address some of the harm that expressways have done to the inner city and to uh, 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 communities of color, African-American communities, Latino communities, et cetera. But many longtime residents are so concerned that the removal will lead to gentrification that they don't want uh, the expressway torn down. In Los Angeles, uh, boy, in Los Angeles, uh, Boyle Heights neighborhood, a vast maze of highways took the place of beloved family homes and cut many Latino residents off from their schools, churches, and one another. The pollution from the multiple highway interchanges has severely damaged the air quality in the neighborhood. Now, we're talking about environmental racism. We're talking about environmental racism. The pollution from the multiple highway interchanges has severely damaged the air quality in the neighborhood and residents won't want sound blocking walls and better elf air filtration and want better air filtration in schools and buildings. In an April interview, April 2021 interview with the griot.com, Transportation, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said the highway system was built in ways that embedded racist principles and the $20 billion in uh, President Biden's budget proposal contains funding 
to stitch some of these neighborhoods back together. But the practical implication of that remains unclear. Uh, Khalid Bay, who is running for mayor in Syracuse, uh, New York, said we can't be guilty a third time of displacing people, referring to past urban renewal projects. He said our city has done that twice already and the highway tearing it down can't become an excuse for doing it either. Now, the future of what lies ahead in each community, whether it's highway removal or neighborhood revitalization varies for many uh, remains uncertain. OK, it varies. And for many it remains uncertain. But what's clear is that many residents in each of these neighborhoods are working to ensure the same harm does not come to their communities. OK, um, so it's an extensive uh, piece here from uh, NBC News. We're going to talk about this some more uh, on tomorrow. So I have a ton of information on this. I have a number of articles. I have a number of articles also, and we're talking about uh, I-375 in Detroit as well. There's a piece from uh, Channel 4 News dealing with uh, I-375 because there's talk about uh, redoing I-375 here in uh, Detroit, which ran through uh, Black Bottom. And Black Bottom was uh, a residential area here in Detroit. You had Black Bottom, then you had Paradise Valley. Paradise Valley was the entertainment district, and there were a number of businesses there. And then you had Black Bottom, where you uh, uh, had a lot of African-American-owned homes. Um, so we'll talk about that on uh, tomorrow's show. All right. Let's see here. Okay, we have Rashid. Carol, uh, be sure to follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Turn on live notifications so you know when we go live. Click on the thumbs up on, on our videos, okay? Um, if you like them, you can support The African History Network, dollar sign, The AHN Show through Cash App, dollar sign, The AHN Show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This helps us keep broadcasting six days a week. Um, keep doing the research, stay on the air and uh, be sure to register for uh, the online course that I teach. Uh, we have a new one starting up on Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July, Sunday, July 4th, 2021. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. If you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, you scroll down uh, the homepage, you'll see the information for our show. We're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to 12 midnight Eastern Standard Time. Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Click here to listen to audio podcasts of our shows. We're on nine different audio podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, I, um, iTunes. Okay. Uh, click here to read articles that I've written the 10 week online course. Uh, we have the flyer here for it. Click right here to register here. It takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. Okay. 
and you can enroll in the uh, online course. As soon as you enroll, you can start watching content and you can join us in class live uh, Sunday, July 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Watch from around the world. And then all the sessions are recorded also. So if you miss anything, you can go back and, and watch it over and over again. You can use this with your children. Uh, as well, I, I would say the content is PG-13. It's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing. Uh, I'm not vulgar. And one of the sources that I use is um, Teaching Hard History, the study here, Teaching Hard History of American Slavery, Teaching Hard History of American Slavery from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And that documents how the history of slavery is being incorrectly taught in schools all across the country. And it lays out numerous uh, recommendations how to more correctly teach the history. Uh, this is another source that I use. So I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have uh, book references, articles, video clips, uh, guest speakers. Uh, this is one of the books I use in the course. You don't have to buy any of these books to follow along in the class. The First Americans were Africans Documented Evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep. And this deals with uh, the African presence in the Americas dating back at least 56,000 years ago in South America at least 51,700 years ago here in uh, the land we call the United States in South Carolina. Dr. David M. Hotel was one of our guest speakers for our class also. He spoke to my Saturday class on June 12th. When you register for the Sunday course, you will also uh, be registered into the Saturday class that's wrapping up, and that meets on Saturdays, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, 12 noon to 2 p.m. And classes one through eight of the Saturday class are archived. So you can go back and watch that and you can watch the uh, June 12th class, June 12th, 2021 class when Dr. David M. Hotep spoke to our class. Also, we had um, archaeologist uh, Nubia Wartford, African-American female archaeologist Nubia Wartford speak to our class as well. And she talked about the she did a presentation on the origins of uh, ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. She and the African queens of antiquity. She goes to the Sudan and does archaeological digs. So she showed us slides of her uh, in the Sudan. Uh, another book that we use in the class, Golden Age of the Moor, edited by Dr. Ivan Van Sertima, one of the best books dealing with the history of the Moors. This is uh, one I also use. This is a symbols encyclopedia. It deals with decodes 2,000 symbols from around the world, signs and symbols. An illustrated guide to the origins and meanings. Uh, another book I use is Classical Africa by Dr. Maleficetti Asante. Classical Africa by Dr. Maleficetti Asante. Then we have um, Now Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder, who's in Egypt right now doing a tour in Egypt. Now Valley Contributions to Civilization by Tony Browder. We have uh, Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. Okay, excellent, excellent book. Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. Hidden Truths, a resource guide for hidden colors. This is a study guide to the documentary Hidden Colors. This is by compiled by the Banneker City Cultural Center. Introduction by Anthony T. Browder, who wrote Nine Valley Contributions to Civilization. That's Hidden Truths. This massive book here, Ancient Egypt, an illustrated reference to the myths, religions, pyramids, and temples of the land of the pharaohs. 
or the Nasubitis. This is by Lorna Oaks and Lucia Galen. This is another book I use in the course. Then we have, uh, where is Egypt on the Potomac? Oh, yeah. Egypt on the Potomac is another one by Tony Browder. Deals with how the layout of Washington, D.C. is a copy of ancient Egypt. So those are just there's some other books. Those are just a few of the books that we use in online courses, about 50 articles that I reference um, in the course also and give you. There's a timeline of history going back about five million years that we use in the class as well. So you're going to learn a lot. You've probably never seen probably never seen anything like this before. We'll post a link here again. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. It's going to blow you away. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Kemet's one of the original names for Egypt. Kemet meaning land of the blacks. Uh, the Ma'afa is a key Swahili term, which refers to the transatlantic slave trade. It refers to the great disaster. The Ma'afa means the great disaster. It refers to our Holocaust. Okay. Uh, the Ma'afa. Uh, so we posted the link there and, uh, okay. You'll see the rest when you register for the class. Uh, that's enough. I've got like six stacks of books in the bookshelf behind me. So I'm just looking here at different things. <laughs> All right. So look, Hey, we, uh, we have to get out of here. Remember the African murmur at the African history network. We focus on educating empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct for own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And um, be sure to uh, also watch um, Black on Purpose TV, Black on Purpose TV, um, BOPTV.com, Black on Purpose TV.com. Uh, they have a lot of good uh, content there for African-Americans educational entertaining they carry uh our shows they're posting them uh daily as well our shows i talked to michael campbell uh ceo of black on purpose uh tv so check them out support them uh also if you want to advertise with the african history network uh email us at ahn show at african history network.com ahn show at african history network.com uh to advertise with us um as well all right all right remember right now is correct wrong behavior is not over till we win and we'll talk to you tomorrow peace on purpose television network yes black on purpose television network all black all positive all the time the largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. 
Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted, empower yourself. Start your free trial today. All right, talk to y'all later, peace. With BlackBusinessTea.com, the messages are clear and meaningful. Keep your business in the black and out of the red. Mind your black business, know your numbers, and plan strategically. Black business boss, lead your industry. Support black business, encourage, patronize, and uplift one another. BlackBusinessTea.com currently has products sold in Detroit, Atlanta, Chicago, and Los Angeles with proceeds returned to the black community. They have a wide selection of hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, hats, sweatshirts that support black-owned businesses. Visit the website blackbusinesstea.com. That's blackbusinesstea.com. For 25 years, the Black History 101 Mobile Museum has carried on the rich legacy of the Black Museum movement in America by showcasing original artifacts of the Black experience at colleges, universities, K-12 schools, corporations, libraries, conferences, and cultural events, making it the most traversed Black History mobile exhibit in American history. Dr. Khalid El Hakim is the founder of the Black History 101 Mobile Museum, and he is a highly sought-after public speaker on topics of black history, social studies, education, museum studies, hip-hop, and race relations. Dr. Khalid was named among the changemakers for NBC Universal's Erase the Hate campaign and listed as one of the 100 Men of Distinction for Black Enterprise. He recently founded the Michigan Hip Hop Archive on the campus of Western Michigan University. The Black History 101 Mobile Museum is currently scheduling in-person and virtual exhibits nationwide. For more information, please contact Dr. Khalid Al-Hakim directly at 313-645-4197, 313-645-4197. Or visit their website at blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. That's blackhistorymobilemuseum.com. You can also email him at bhistory101 at yahoo.com. bhistory101 at yahoo.com.